Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of The Front 3. My name is Adam Boltwood and joining me as always is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Ooh, car, car link. Ooh, exciting cup. It's not called the Carling Cup anymore. It is, Adam. It is. No one calls it anything else. It's the Capital One Cup officially. Ah, large, yes, but... the old Capital <laughs> One Cup. Yes. Dave, you're also here on the line, are you not? I am, yes. It's a cup of many faces, I'd say. Yeah. Milky, uh... milky bar. What was it when um, when Spurs won it, Adam? Uh, I believe it was the Carling Cup back then. Was it? Was before, it the before that, it was the Worthington Cup. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, a good time. Back it? in the day. Um, but anyway, right now it's the Capital One Cup, guys. And we are recording just moments after Liverpool showed great character. We got through <laughs> the penalty shootout. They went toe-to-toe with Carlisle Lawrence for 120-odd minutes. You must, be, you must be very pleased with that performance. Carlisle were wearing fourth division size shoes, of course. Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't. I think the honest evaluation from a lot of uh, Liverpool fans inside the club would probably be that they didn't expect anything less from Liverpool tonight. There was sort of, well, they maybe expected less. Um, it's another performance where Liverpool have uh, flattered to deceive. Um, they've not really put enough together of any worth, even though they had, what, 45 shots, I think it was in the end. Not much of that was really very, wasn't very meaningful play, I think. And I think a lot of people are a little bit concerned about that, really. And the people they seem to be touting um, as having meaningful play uh, or being able to pass the ball around um, are are probably what, what Liverpool fans are looking for at the moment. It's very frustrating, I think, for Liverpool fans. There was a lot, before the parents shoot out, admittedly, I think a lot of Liverpool fans are quite relieved now, but just um, sort of looking at Twitter, a lot of Liverpool fans were furious with the way Liverpool were playing it. They seems to be coming to a head now, I think. I don't quite get why they were so angry. I mean, I understand, I understand why they're angry. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has spent 200 million, that's a lot of money to spend, and... Um, from the personnel that were on the pitch, they should have been doing better than that. They shouldn't have even mm. really conceded a counter-attack goal. But the, it does seem the, the Liverpool fans are losing faith in Brendan Rodgers. Yes, but what or I would say is quite a lot. lost it. I, I wonder how much Brendan Rodgers um, is doubting what his personnel can do at the moment. I mean, it seemed very sort of 
clear that when Liverpool were on for whatever whatever title it was just a few seasons ago, they had a mentality about them which was very different to the one that we see now in this Liverpool squad. And they have to, they had a game management which was not great, but what it meant was that if Liverpool conceded a goal, then they believed they could go and score one. And that doesn't seem to have be the same now as Brendan Rodgers is looking for more balance in the side. Um. He's not quite balanced out the mentality that needed to go with that. And, you know, Liverpool were a side that for a long time swang from extreme to extreme. And now he's tried to put them much more middle of the road. And for that reason, I think it's hard for Liverpool to remain level because a lot of the players within that squad were maybe beginning to get used to not being so level. They were used to the, the huge swings that maybe go with what is Brendan Rodgers' management at the moment. Dave, what do you make of the, the situation in Liverpool at the moment? Because, again, another poor performance as Liverpool, uh, as Lawrence is pointing out there. We've got a very eloquent question from David on Twitter, at David, or at... Again. We've got a very eloquent question from David, D. Shanahan 930 on Twitter. He says, Dave, should Rodgers be sacked after all this shit? Well, after all this shit, drawing with Carlisle in the League Cup, I'd say it could be time for Rodgers to move on. I don't want, I don't want it to be the time because I feel that Rodgers has got potential as a manager. I just feel like the everything's going against him right now. The fans are sort of, a, you know, they're turning to start getting onto his back. You know, the players what? don't seem to be. What, what do I don't you know, adapting to what he's doing at the moment. I think that's the, the problem. That it's so, you know, Liverpool started the season playing a sort of 4-3-3. Now they're playing the 3-4-3 again. They played the 3-4-3 last season to great effect against the weaker teams. Then against the big teams that came unstuck. You know, all he needed to do was slightly tweak that sort of mentality. And potentially he's got some decent, you know, decent formations on the go. I'm just not sure about Brendan right now. I think his head's gone. You think his head's gone? Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying he's, he's, he's running out of ideas, Lawrence. I'd argue he's probably not short of ideas, the amount of the way he changes up his squad. But you mentioned his uh, that, league, that league challenge a few seasons yeah. back. Obviously, they've lost Luis Suarez, we all know that. Daniel Sturridge has been plagued by injuries since then. Raheem Sterling's gone. But they have fallen so far in, what, or not even two seasons, a season and a half from that point? And having, like you pointed out, they have spent a lot of money. Their squad is the seventh most expensive in the big five leagues in Europe. Yeah, exactly. And I think that part of that is uh, obviously important to the point of where, where Brendan Rodgers is sitting. Also, the amount of time that maybe he should get to turn this around um, whilst he's still tinkering with, with the team and the, the amount of signings they made over the summer as well. Um, yeah, you know, that there, there is to some extent an element of him almost shooting himself in the foot. Like I was saying, though, game management is something that's really important and something that should be coming from Brendan Rodgers, but also some of the other players in the team, more experienced ones, the Martin Skirtles, the James Milners, maybe even the Joe Allens that started tonight. And they should be setting a tempo and pace that that Liverpool side's need, that side needs, and that midfield isn't necessarily doing that right now. Do you um, think Dave's sort of saying time? He thinks it's time up for Brendan Rodgers. Then are you in that boat, or do you think he can turn it around and should be given the time too? I mean, there was a lot of pressure on him last season as well, uh, and he, they Liverpool. I think went on a thirteen-game winning run at that point, and you'd say that shows that he's not. Uh, it's not beyond him to turn things around. But the problem would be that a lot of people have become they've come to the point where they're looking a little bit silly now because they've almost backed Rogers for such amount of time. They've backed the ownership and they've backed everyone else and everyone's sort of going, well, you know, where's the, where's the real results from this? And if uh, the almost problem being that when it comes to competition and it comes to people comparing themselves to other sides, then there are going to be Liverpool fans who are looking a little bit 
red face because some of them have maybe said, well, our club aren't like that. And then they're found to have spent a lot of money and backed a manager that maybe hasn't bought some of the results that he should have. Like you say, they're the seventh most expensive squad in Europe right now. They're not playing very scintillating football. They're not even playing um, what looks like very intelligent football. And at least it would be okay if Liverpool looked like it out on the pitch they had some sort of a plan, but they don't. Um, and for that Liverpool. reason, I would say, you know, it, it's, it's going to be difficult to see who Liverpool would get it. The problem with the, the suggestion of Carlo Ancelotti is you wonder... Is his management style one that would suit Liverpool or one that would suit the current players? Um, you know, d- do they need to be a slightly more established set of players? Uh, and do they need to already maybe have the mentality or some of the thought processes in place to be able to get them through? Therefore, would it be better to be to get someone like Klopp in? I think one thing that just, you know, has just, have just jumped out to me right now is Liverpool have the second youngest squad in the Premier League at the moment. Which yeah. is pretty big, which is pretty staggering. You know, a player, a manager like Avancelotti's, um, you know, sort of laissez-faire, chilled out, let the exactly. players make the decisions attitude would be completely wrong for this Liverpool team. Exactly. But yeah. a manager of Jurgen Klopp's quality that did exactly the same at Borussia Dortmund came in, had a very, very young squad, and completely turned that around. Mentally, they were very, very strong. He brought them together. He's the perfect man for Liverpool. And quite frankly, I'd put money on him being the next Liverpool manager. But there, there is a bit of a problem there. That I mean, Brent, you know, Brendan Rodgers is a good manager, and there's a lot of quality. But if the players don't believe in in him, or that you know, you've got to you've got to say there will be some players within that squad sort of thinking, you know, is he the right guy? Have we got a manager that's going to see us through to the end of the season and be able to get the results that we want? Could I be somewhere else next season? Could I be doing all these other things that maybe am I wasting my time with Liverpool, um, or at least with this setup at Liverpool? And the answer very often, I suppose, is going to be a negative thing at the moment because of the amount of people that are spinning it. I don't know if it's the same within the camp, but when you're at the stadium, when you're away with the Liverpool fans, then you get a feeling that there's sort of things moving against Rodgers. And it's not only people on Twitter, though I do yeah. find people on Twitter very, very difficult to read because, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so reactionary, you know? Let, yeah. Let's move on from Liverpool's woes briefly on to Spurs. Uh, <laughs> Let's also just mention Carlisle did all right tonight. Yeah, um, I mean, and sat a lot of men behind the ball, defended very well, and um, Asamo's celebration for the goal is fantastic. Go and look it up. It's like a, he does like a cartwheel. I, as far as I can remember, he does like a cartwheel and then pretends to shoot a player, and the other player goes down <laughs> perfectly, and I, I mean perfectly with the shot. Some people would say it, in another place that was maybe offensive to shoot someone, but uh, in Britain, apparently not. So it's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, Spurs losing two one to Arsenal. At home, um, I assume you guys weren't watching this one because you're watching your respective clubs. I was listening Correct. to this one. Okay. The, yeah. the, the main uh, takeaway was that um, there was a, a good tweet by uh, an account called Spurs in the Blood. He said only Spurs could make Flamini look like Zidane. He scored. Uh, <laughs> he scored an absolute worldie of a of a volley uh, right mm. into the bottom corner. Uh, and that was the moment of quality which decided the game. Not much in it. It was uh, it was tight, and it looked like it, it could have gone Spurs way early in the in the second half. Harry Kane did uh, sort of an acrobatic scissor kick headed off the line by Kieran Gibbs, but in the end, Arsenal came through. Dave, a lot of people questioning um, Maurizio Pochettino's team selection for this one. He selected um, Kevin Vimmer and Federico Fazio at the back. A lot of Spurs fans weren't happy with that, seeing as Jan Vertonghen and um, Alderweireld have had, had such a great partnership. But at the same time, 
I think both managers, Arsene Wenger and Pochettino, are looking ahead to the weekend to what is probably the more important competition for both sides, the Premier League. Yeah, I'd say so. It's just a bit of a strange one. The front sort of four players look like, you know, first or second choice. And then you go to, you know, the defence and it's yeah. stripped out. You've got Fazio Wimmer, you know, making a day- I think he made... Wimmer making his debut. It's a bit... It seems like he's changed the wrong bit since yeah, his team. Yeah, I think he, he had to go one way or the other. He had to, to keep the defence, uh, you know, solid and keep it um, consistent from the league and change up the attack. I think he, he kept the attack consistent, but you know, like you're saying, perhaps that was the wrong decision. Maybe it should have been the other way around. Having said that, like I said, it was a it was a tight game, but I think um, Spurs fans are questioning Pochettino's team selections in cup competitions in general. The, the Spurs fans haven't forgotten against Fiorentina last year when he didn't oh, yeah. didn't pick the team that most Spurs fans wanted to see. Again tonight, a lot of first Spurs fans are quite disappointed by the lineup, but I mean. Is Manchester City on Saturday. I think that was the third game in the space of six days yeah. for Spurs. We haven't got a massive squad anyway. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over being knocked out of the League Cup. Of course, disappointing to be knocked out and by Arsenal of all teams and to watch Flamini score two against you. <laughs> I don't think he's ever scored two goals in a game in his career. Apparently, but, was the was yeah. the was the stat <laughs> about. But you know, it, it, I, I'd rather. I think there's still a lot to play for this season, so I can't be too disheartened. I think both of us are making comments where we're sort of, we're, our, our sentences sort of come to a, a bit of a weird stop because we don't quite know where to go with the conclusion because it's sort yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, what, well, what can you read into What does that? it mean <laughs> to, well, to lose I, the League Cup? Yeah, for, for Liverpool, I can see a bit. there seemed to be a bit more of a trend in terms of Liverpool fans being quite upset with how things are going this season. It hasn't been the best start and, you know, not playing well in the in the Capital One Cup against Carlisle, a team they perhaps should be expected to beat, you can sort of see why fans would be a little bit aggrieved. But with Spurs, Arsenal, Arsenal are a better team than Spurs. Both, you know, both teams played rotated uh, starting 11s. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But uh, <laughs> Dave, another a team who is still in it though, Manchester United. The lads. Uh, yeah. What did you make of their performance? It was an interesting performance. They were a little bit too direct with Fellaini on the pitch. Um, they scored a very well. Wayne Rooney scored a pretty good goal. They've been straight out the defence, pinged the ball to Rooney's feet for about 30, 40 yards. Rooney threw on goal. Um, Andres Pereira scored an absolutely wonderful free kick. And then that man, Martial, scored again. Can't Six stop scoring, shots on can goal, four goals. The lad just knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. But the performance all round, I, I was disappointed with the team selection. Um, so they made five players that played at the weekend started again tonight I'm not too keen on that you know the likes of James Wilson didn't start the likes of Jess Lingard didn't start we had no other young players mm. coming through starting I just question it maybe Van Al was being over cautious because we got Kane by MK Dons last uh, season he didn't want to repeat of that but it just seems like we're not you know it's not quite the correct squad rotation pretty similar to Tottenham in a way mm. where they they changed some components but they didn't change all of it uh yeah, 3-0 to, to Man United against Ipswich in the end there at Old Trafford. Uh, the other headline game, of course, was Newcastle against Sheffield Wednesday. Newcastle losing again, Lawrence, uh, continuing their poor start to the season, knocked out by the championship side. I mean, it's going pretty badly at St. James's Park, isn't it? It seems to be a mentality problem, I think, somewhat at St. James's Park. Um, really bizarre interviews again with Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren does weird interviews. All right, it's just weird oh, yeah. when you hear him talk. Um, he, sa- he says strange things like, 
um, you know, are you close to crisis? And he's a bit like, well, we could we're be. In one, and mate. you're like, right. <laughs> well, Steve, just don't say it, all right? Just say, you know, it, it, is this harder than you thought it would be? Oh, yeah. And you're like, well, just don't, again, Steve, don't say it, because you've just played a second string championship side. And, you know, I, I understand that maybe they won't have been thinking this is a priority up there in Newcastle. Um, and especially after Sunderland have lost in such an emphatic manner uh, just the night before. But, I mean, the point here would be Stephen McLaren should be winning this game mm -hmm. with whatever, whatever Newcastle squad he feels because they should be in a much stronger position technically, mm. uh, in terms of tactics, in terms of all those things. But instead, they were found to be second to the ball most of the night, second to uh, a second string Sheffield Wednesday team for most of the night. And it's, not, it's nothing to do... It, it, that's why I'm saying it's more of a mentality thing. Mm. And Kristen even said it to me tonight, text me, you just say it's a mental block um, that it seems that Newcastle have at the moment. And for that, that reason, you'd say that that can be changed. Uh, with this personnel, with, with, it's the same. With a change of manager, you saying <laughs> a change of maybe. I mean, but, but that's the point. Is it's the change? It, the point would be that one minute people are saying, "Well, this player isn't good enough for the team," or "This player isn't." But you know, it, it, it's at the same point where a good manager will get the best out of whatever resources he has, and it's the same at Liverpool. It's similar at Newcastle. It's about getting the best out of your resources and having your players focused at the right time. And neither manager has been very good at getting that so far this season. Dave, how much trouble do you think McLaren's in now? How? How much is he in danger of losing his job? Because at the moment, uh, the tweet sort of doing the rounds um, immediately after this game is the fact that McLaren's only won three games since the 3rd of March 2015, stretching back to when he was in charge of, of Derby. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think they've got to stick with him, to be honest. But Steve McLaren is a wonderful coach, and I think that's what it is. He needs to coach the players. Wow. The players have been stuck in this rut for so long. Um, the likes of, you know, I think I saw something on Twitter that was about Thovan that Steve McLaren literally like shouted at him and turned away. You know, what are you doing in that situation? Thovan is a player that came to Newcastle with a terrible reputation of being a bit of a weapon. And sort of he's a player that's come into the squad. They've got other players that are still in the squad that potentially haven't been, you know, aren't, aren't the best people in a way. But I think McLaren has just got to be given time to coach the team to play the way that he wants them to play. And I just think that it will be unfair for him to go now, considering that Newcastle are already in a rut. Getting rid of McLaren now would just put them further into a mm. rut even more, in a way. It just seems like it's too reactionary right now. Give it time. Newcastle have only won four games in all competitions in 2015. That's quite a stat, I think. Um, anyway, elsewhere in the Capital One Cup, we also had uh, Chelsea winning 4-1 away at Walsall. Uh, we also had Norwich winning 3-0 at home to West Brom. Uh, MK Dons losing 6-0 to Southampton at home and Palace winning 4-1 against Charlton. In the next round, Dave, Manchester United have got Middlesbrough. I assume you're feeling quietly confident about that one? Quietly confident. Karanka's built a pretty decent team at Middlesbrough. They obviously they nearly got promoted last season, so there's a few half decent players down there. But at home, Man United should do a job. You know, if the Van Hal is going to continually play quite a, a strong team in the League Cup, it seems like he might have put his chips in early doors that he wants to win the League Cup. So we could see a very very strong United team throughout the tournament. So Middlesbrough potentially may um, get slammed. Interesting comments from Van Hal earlier, um, earlier in the week, basically saying that he's good at bringing youth through and then going oh, on improving yeah. it. <laughs> well, then playing yeah. one youth player in a League Cup game. Lawrence Liverpool are at home to Bournemouth, yeah. uh, bearing in mind the, the, the start to the season that they've had. 
yeah, and uh, the fact that it's a month away. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Premier, League, Premier League opposition against um, people who will be uh, somewhat favourites for everyone else. Um, it doesn't bode well for Liverpool, wow. although you know it's obviously avoiding a bigger name but the point is you should, probably should earlier on in these rounds um you know arsenal did um and then uh basically they're playing a side who were very very good the last time they came to anfield um so i'd imagine again it's another one of those brendan rogers-esque mental blocks that seems to be coming over the side um you just sort of wonder can liverpool change their form around in that time and maybe try and fight fire with some sort of entertaining fire the other fourth round matches we're going to see will be City versus Palace, Everton v Norwich, Southampton v Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday v Arsenal. Uh, and I'm sure we can all agree we want to see Wednesday carrying on their giant killing run there. Uh, Hull City v Leicester, uh, Stoke City v Chelsea, and they're all going to be played on the 27th and 28th of October. So moving on to. Yeah? Who, who, sorry, who have Tottenham got? Yeah. We, uh... No one. Do you know why? <laughs> They're out. <laughs> They're in the hole. Oh, bit of banter, bit of banter. <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry. Listen, sorry. I'm not I gonna. I couldn't contain myself. I, I'm not too fussed about the league cup. I'll be honest. I know. Bef- just before we started recording, Lawrence said it's our only chance of winning something this season. But um, I'm just. Yeah, I'm not fussed. I'm FA not Cup, fussed. maybe. Well, maybe an FA yeah. Cup. Yeah. What about FA Cup? I'd rather win the FA Cup. No, that the means Europa something. League. The FA Cup means something. I Europa League, League. I don't. Fi- I don't think we're gonna. We've got a chance to win the Europa League, to be honest. Um, especially yeah, when the. I don't. The point would be, you want to make it into the Champions League. I, I would. I, I'm not. I don't see fourth place finish. Then I'd love to see Liverpool just go. You know what? Fuck it. We'll just go out of the cup. Any cup. Mm. And we'll just focus on the league. Let's I, just focus on the core yeah. of what what this. I'm not expecting Spurs to win the Europa League or really challenge for the top four this season. I'm not expecting it. So I'm not... I, I don't want to see Spurs going got all guns for... Like blazing in the in the Europa League. Guns for hire, yeah. All guns for hire. All guns blazing in the Europa League. Or, do you know what I mean? It'd be great if they won the Europa League, but I don't think we've got a chance, especially when you see the Champions League in, in the group stages when they get knocked out, they drop into the Europa League, which seems not enough, uh, not enough glue in your pie, eh? Not enough glue in your not, pie. In many ways, yes, there's not enough glue in my pie. But moving on to other news this week, uh, we'll try and get through a little bit of all the happenings in football. Uh, so one story that seems to be uh, rearing its head is Eva Carniero Lawrence. Yeah. Um, she's apparently left Chelsea, and yeah, she's preparing she's to sue for constructive dismissal uh, following the incident um, a month or so back against Swansea, uh, which led to her first team uh, responsibilities being downgraded by yeah. Jose Mourinho. From the outside, obviously not knowing anything about the legal system, yeah, it seems she might have, have a case, though, do you not think? Uh, I, what, I don't know what you're basing that on, Adam. Um, <laughs> I genuinely have no idea what you're basing, because we don't actually know why she ended up leaving the club completely at this point, do we? Well, uh, she was apparently... This is what people are reporting. She was told she was no longer to attend training sessions, matches, or enter the team hotel mm-hmm. after you know winding Mourinho up when yeah. her and the physiotherapist ran on to treat Hazard um, in that game in August. Yeah, but you know the whole the whole storm exploded afterwards. Everyone seemed to be agreeing that she was merely doing her job and. In her position, well, the, the club are going to have to have found another reason to dismiss her apart from running onto the pitch, um, because that that really would be uh, unconstructive. Um, so I would say there's going to be something else within there. There are um, rumours. 
that she has had a relationship with one of the players, but these are Hold just... Dave, Dave, so Dave. That is slander. Sunday, red top Dave. <laughs> Dave, you... This is the problem, right? Is, I said rumour. I said yeah. rumour. I clearly <laughs> do not believe this. But it's almost That's irrelevant. Right. It's almost irrelevant. The, it, the point would also be if, she, if, if that was the case, then she wouldn't be taking it to court. Um, mo- most probably wouldn't be taking it to court because she would realise um, possibly what would happen in the whole... Mm. airing of dirty laundry if you like in public so i'd imagine she's more savvy than that she seems like a savvy individual from what little i actually know about her mm. the point would be there are so many people who are ready to comment on something that they know barely anything about um and the problem is it just happens to fall within the football uh forum it you know if this happened in computing or something people would sort of be like <laughs> yeah cool anyway did you see the other stuff in the paper um, yeah, and they, they, it, it's, it does have something to, to do with her sex that there is this amount of um, focus on her. Hmm. Um, so that I would say that is maybe a bigger point here. Focus on the negativity of the amount of speculation that is on her what because she's a woman. Just, just don't, just don't like you. Just don't. We, it's boring, you know. Oh is yeah, it, but it, I was, I, what I was trying to get at was just that this is the. This is the fallout from that big story a month ago that now she has left the club officially and potentially there could be some legal action against the club, which may not be um, unsubstantiated, regardless of any rumours about her. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it would just be another time where, um, you know, the, the toxic or potentially toxic or potentially oh God, yeah. cutthroat environment at Chelsea has not served someone very well. Speaking of cutthroat environments at Chelsea, Diego Costa has been banned for free games uh, mm. after in the fallout of what happened at Arsenal at the weekend. Chelsea winning 2-0. But Diego Costa, the pantomime villain there, initially... Uh, Just the villain, Adam. No pantomime about it. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I like the term pantomime villain. But um, he... Uh, he was basically winding up Laurent Koscielny, sort of scratching at his face, Laurent Koscielny sort of swiping, swinging his arm at him. He managed to get Gabriel Paulista involved and sort of get him wound up as well. Paulista ends up kicking out Acosta and gets sent off. Uh, and get, it was, it was um, a straight red card as well, so that's a free match ban, I believe. Yep. That was rescinded later on, and Costa got a free match ban for uh, violent behaviour, uh, violent conduct, I should say. Dave, what do you make of all this, uh, all this um, interference, as it were, by the FA? Do you think they were right to, to jump in and sort of flip the verdict round? Yeah, I think the Costa one was right. Apparently, um, Arsenal sent some footage from Brazilian ESPN to, um, right. to, to the FA that actually showed that um, Gabriel hadn't actually made any contact with Costa with his kick. But okay. for me, they both deserve a bit of a ban. They were both as bad as each other. And But to rescind the three-game ban to absolutely nothing at all and then to give another player a three-game ban when it's you know six of one half, a dozen of the other, it seems a bit crazy to me. But Costa, kind of does, Costa definitely deserves some sort of ban. And the kick-out was just a bit stupid, wasn't no. it, really? So it's deserved. Lawrence, what do you make of Diego Costa? Because obviously there's been a huge amount of coverage over it, so we don't want to delve into it too much. But... I've seen half of the people saying Diego Costa's a disgrace and, you know, the way he behaves is just unacceptable. And I've seen another half of the reaction and a lot from sort of ex-pros, especially, saying he's doing nothing wrong, it's part of the game. You saw Jose Mourinho go completely overboard (laughs) 
and saying <laughs> Costa was the man of the match. You know, this is how this is why people love the Premier League, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, why? Where, um, uh, I mean, where, he is. To be fair to him, he does need to gain um, uh, some sort of an advantage because he is playing in the body of a fifty-year-old man. Um, very true. Very which true. Is, which will always make the game harder, Adam. And I think we often skip that in our analysis. Um, yes. But the, there would also be a wider point that uh, there's going to be uh, cultural things here that English people are slightly outraged when, whenever something terrible happens and it's not an English person that's doing it. It's not banter at that point, is it, when someone who doesn't speak English is doing it. Do, um, do I really was... enjoy Richard Keys. I, I, some, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I really enjoyed Richard Keys' tweet, which was Revenge is Sweet, which was Diego Costa what? ever so slightly elbowing Gabriel Polista in the chest and Polista going down so badly, like as if he'd been shot. Um... <laughs> That it was sort of, you know, the opposite way around. At the time, he was sort of saying, revenge is sweet. Uh, and then I guess it all backfired on Richard Keyes. Unusual, that. Doesn't often happen to poor Richard. Very true. Um, <laughs> do, do you think it was actually uh, what a lot of people seem to take issue with? They were like, well, why is it violent conduct? They were like, it's not violent conduct. And we're talking specifically about the, the sort of the clash with Lauren Koscielny, where he seemed to... Put that his, was he, violent conduct. Yeah, he, he, he sort of put his hands in his face, face, and then yeah. he did appear to sort of flail his arm in the direction of Koscielny's head. Um, but yeah, is that violent contact to you? What? Hello? Hello? Lawrence has disappeared. Oh, you're back. Can you hear me? Yeah, Hello? so I just said, is that violent contact to you, Lawrence? Uh, well, of course, it's he put his hands in another man's face. Um, well... I, I saw, I think it was uh, Tony Cascarino actually on the Times podcast saying, didn't hit him though. Didn't hit him though. So, uh... no, no, he didn't hit him. But I, I don't quite understand what, I don't quite understand what he means by that. I mean, that's what uh, I mean. There seems there to were... be a lot of, you know, it seems to be quite divisive for some people going, ah, you know, whatever, it's in the rules of the game. And I was kind of like, well, he did sort of seem to be clawing his face almost. It was <laughs> yeah, like bizarre. he was. Uh, so you're saying, well, again, I think what we have to say here is if, if you choose to play, if you choose to bend the rules, then when the rules bend back on you, don't be surprised. About I like that. So if you, if, you know, if you choose to be particularly aggressive towards someone or you choose to play with your hands in someone's face, then you're playing with the margins. Don't, ex it, don't expect to always be seen right for that. So it, from time to time, it will come back to bite him and it has. It literally has right now, yeah. So yeah. He, 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 at first it was like, he's won Chelsea the game here. Now he's going to be free, banned for free games. All right, he's not yeah. playing that well at the mm. moment anyway, but. It could be uh, somewhat of a blow to Chelsea. Um, the point would be if you if that's how you have to win, then you know again there's something wrong with what what's going on. In the same way that you'd say with Arsenal against Spurs, if you're talking about Matthew Flamini scoring two goals, uh, two wonder goals, then maybe there have to be question marks drawn over whether the system that you're playing is really benefiting. <laughs> because there's no way that Arsene Wenger went get it to Matthew, and there's no way that. Jose Mourinho went just wait for Diego to that will be a small part of the game which I imagine will have some sort of a butterfly effect out on the pitch which is what Mourinho master of the dark arts as most people are calling him this week um will will say is fantastic for but it you just there have to be bigger things and you say with both of those things it, it shows bigger wants or needs that the, the, the club and the team are not fulfilling right now good point well made um Dave, Dave, in other news this week, uh, Strax Ferguson's got a new book coming out called Leading, which seems to be a It looks of, good. Uh, it looks good. It's yes. 
I'm quite upset about it. It's been ruined already. All the good stuff's gone. I hate how the like media get their hands on it before we do. And you sort of oh, all the good things. Done. He has to promote it, but it's sort it's of uh, Gerard, though, it's, isn't it? It's a book of yes. It, yeah. They, you know, it gets serialized because they want people to get all the, you know, the, the good bits, so they buy the book. And apparently, it's a fascinating insight into his managerial career, Dave. One yes. such insight, which people seem to have been latching onto, was the fact that he came out and said he only managed four world-class players during his time at Old Trafford. Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Cristiano Ronaldo and Eric Cantona. Do you agree poor, with that? Poor Peter Michael. Yeah, poor Peter Michael's not in there. Big Rio Ferdinand's not in there. Yeah. David Beckham's not in there. Wayne Rooney's not in there. G-Nev. G-Nev's not in there. Um, you know, Bebe's not in there. Oh, there's, there's many players. Yap Stam. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what do you make of that assessment? Or is, do you think it's all just guff to sell his book, basically? I just, I don't know. Well, to be fair with Ferguson, he's seen enough players to decide who is world-class. So if he's saying there's only four world-class players under his management, then there's four world-class players that he's ever you know, managed. It seems like um, we forget that he is this great manager. He knows those players better than we do, and he knows their abilities and so forth. So to be fair, world-class, Rio Ferdinand made a point today on Facebook about world-class players. What are world-class players? It's a big question, you know, and he throws up you, like, uh, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, um, Maradona, those players that he said that any player that can get into any team in the world is a world-class player. And quite frankly, you know, if Fergie says there's only four in that United team, there's only four. There's a lot of very, very, very good players. And I think that's what the media's pulled away. It's not yeah. saying that all the other players are rubbish. It's just saying that these four players were that much better than everyone else. One of the other interesting um, insights from the book, uh, Lawrence, was the talk of David Moyes, obviously his successor. A lot of people focusing on the fact that um, Ferguson seemed to imply that you know Moyes wasn't actually his chosen one. You know that his his number one choice to succeed him. You know he was apparently after Pep Guardiola, uh, who ended up going to Bayern Munich. Of course, uh, he says Mourinho promised to go back to Chelsea. Carlo Ancelotti was going to Real Madrid. He also sort of admitted that perhaps the transition could have been handled better. So yeah. <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is probably a, a good point and he sort of implied that maybe Moyes made a mistake in sacking Mike Phelan the assistant manager yeah. sort of made a, an underhand not underhand comment but he sort of he basically accused Moyes of needing to prove his manhood by sacking Mike Phelan are you surprised at the level of I don't want to say revisionism and I don't want yeah, to say. I, but, I, I see exactly what you're trying to get at here, which is which is similar to what you're sort of thrown Moyes under the bus. <laughs> I, but, but don't you always read? Don't you always read football biographies and think that? I mean, I read Ibrahimovic's biography and just uh, autobiography and was just like, that was brilliant. Man. Oh, this is bollocks. And it, <laughs> and it, you read it, and you just sort of think, well, I'm clearly getting your point of view, but what I'm seeing from your point of view is that you're really not relating to the other human beings around you. Um, which is weird because actually, you know, Ferguson must be a great reader of other people to be such a great communicator and such a great manager. Um, and you would say it's all well and good saying that now, but at the time, why were you not sort of more vocal? To, so why didn't you offer that advice to Moyes? Or, or, and if you did, then, you know, maybe maybe there is a case to be made about him try, having to prove something. Um, you know, there were definitely mistakes made in that transition, but the, the point would be with that, Ferguson had a lot to do with that transition. Um, 
and you know could could that therefore could he therefore have changed things sooner and done better as you mentioned there as well Stephen Gerrard has got an autobiography coming out yeah um, we've seen Looks a few excerpts good. from that coming out yeah. probably the best one um, was the the excerpt about the horrific penis injury yeah, said. I'd say that was probably the worst one, wouldn't you, Adam? I'd say it was probably the least. I just insightful. thought it was hilarious. I just thought it was absolutely wow. hilarious. That... Oh, yes. <laughs> he basically had a tackle in the FA Cup, Dave, on his yeah. tackle. And, oh, um, that's not nice. Let me read you the excerpt briefly. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Stephen Gerrard's autobiography. <clears throat> the magic read of the, the voice. Effort. Read it in the voice. <laughs> the, no, I can't do it. Oh. No, I can't do a brilliant Scouse accent. But, um, no, I'll just do it in my own voice. Uh, the magic of the it's FA Cup. <laughs> the magic of the FA Cup was bloodied on the day my penis was cut and then stitched shut on an unromantic afternoon in Bournemouth last year. Now I'm going to go into my own voice. It was, no, Adam, keep going. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was eye watering. I tried to close down. <laughs> I tried to close. <laughs> I lost it. Just lost it. I didn't realise uh, David Moyes did this uh, audio book. It was fantastic. I, I can't do it. I've lost the accent. <clears throat> I tried to close down a winger to block his cross, but That's felt a stinging. Winger? I felt a stinging in my privates. I thought, shit, that doesn't feel right. It was stinging like fuck. The gash looked pretty bad right across the middle. There's wow. plenty of blood. I needed four stitches, and the lads were absolutely pissing themselves. Yeah. What do you reckon, Dave? That's a that's pretty that insightful, isn't it? Terrific. That sounds like one of the worst injuries ever heard. The other. Did it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With a bloody gash. <laughs> a gash <laughs> on his dick. Um, the, the other bit that um, a lot of Chelsea fans and also a lot of a lot of the football fans seem to latch on to was of course the slip uh, so yeah there, there's a, an, an excerpt in his biography where he sort of goes into it all and sort of basically admits that he started crying after that infamous slip against Chelsea yeah you know, which is some people see as the defining moment in that title race in 2013-14. In not, not, not losing all those goals to Crystal Palace. Yeah. Right. Now, Conceding what, a fuck-ton of goals to other clubs. Yeah, a literal fuck-ton. Yeah. Just the thing I thought was interesting about that is I wonder if it's going to die down. But I think it's sad in a way that Gerrard's career is, could be defined by this. Because it's already been two years. Two years, year and a half, year and three quarters, whatever. Is it yeah. sad? Is it hilarious? Is I, it mean, but I don't know. Yeah, do you know I, mean? I don't I, think it will be defined by that, though. I mean, no. to be fair, he did, I'm waiting he for did, it to die he down. He captained England not. a lot of times. 
He scored some absolutely fun. It scored, I'd say, some of the best goals in Liverpool Football Club's history, possibly even the Premier League's history. If you look at some of the goals he scored, it was fantastic. Okay. Yeah. He but was he's... the best player for Rafa Benitez, even though he claims in his autobiography he barely got on with him. Um, and, you know, he's, he was pretty fantastic. But ultimately, there were also deficiencies to what Gerard brought to the team. And maybe that's that, part of the problem. That is one of the, the. Okay, maybe not. It won't define his career, but it seems to be such a defining moment maybe because it is so recent as you said he won the European Cup in 2005 or whatever but yeah, from what that's, I can read that's it isn't it the defining moment is that is, is in you know beating AC Milan I think that's what we'll remember Gerard. we won't remember mm. that slip it's just it, that's short term I just it? hope not you know what I mean but it's I mean in, from, from what we can read he is also now a bit of a misplaced cog in the LA Galaxy midfield um, and seems to stand out as a bit of a strange one there as well so you do sort of think is it that Gerard has not changed his game to complement other players or complement his age um and you know is he somewhat left behind by what current trends and tactics are out there mm. Maybe. shall we gents move on to the questions this week Wait, we've got one little bit, last little bit. Oh, I like it, I like it. It's a nice story, okay? Today in Lyon, so we had two players playing in the game. One was 35, Steve Malbronk. One was a lad called Kalulu, 18 years old, making his, I think his fourth appearance for Lyon. Steve Malbronk gets an assist for Kalou to score his first goal in Liga. Lovely story. Yeah. Father to son. Um, <laughs> we should probably also mention the whole thing that's going on with FIFA Pro at the moment and the way that they're trying to change footballers' rights. Um, okay. And that their rights, uh, the the interesting thing to do with FIFA Pro at the moment is they're trying to talk. This is a very very broad thing, but basically, FIFA Pro a few years ago managed to push through the whole Bosman thing, which meant that players could move in a different way and anyway go and look up what happened with Bosman they can leave for free at the end of their contracts right now basically that, that yes. but, but there, there was a bit more to it than that basically but, but that, that's the up and down of it really um, what they're trying to do now is again free up players to be able to move more freely between clubs and not necessarily be held for some sort of a high ransom by one of the sides which therefore would mean that there was a lot of changes to the way that transfers were done through the agents for the match manager for the club for the player themselves and it would basically mean that we maybe wouldn't have a David De Gea situation it would maybe mean that maybe we didn't have a Luis Suarez situation it would maybe mean we possibly didn't have a Gareth Bale situation it would also mean that we possibly wouldn't have huge transfer fees and we would change the way that people were transferred it would also probably change the financial structure of clubs and the way that they try and bring players through because it would make bringing players through a slightly different or maybe less lucrative way of doing so um, a lot of people saying there are going to be a lot of people that push back against this and there will probably be some time, maybe even up to two years for it to kind of kick in fully. But it does, it would if FIFA Pro, and this is a legal thing, not within football, they've been forced to go to the legal courts, not the football um, bodies, to actually push through that players are able to move in a different way. Um, and I imagine people will find loopholes and they'll find problems with it. But it's still, as far as I'm concerned, a move in the right direction and a move towards giving people more rights within football even though people feel that players currently have a lot of control it would change the kind of control and what they controlled so it would be it, it's big basically what i'm saying is go and read up what's going on fifa right now because it's all very interesting 
Gonna have to, yeah. Gonna have to get educated yeah. on that. Um, I, I went very broad because the details uh, I, I don't know too that. much. About, it's all about legal, and it, it hasn't even happened yet. But it's very exciting, and it's the mm. kind of thing you probably want to keep an eye on because it, it will impact every club and every player. We probably should also mention um, Celta Vigo beating Barcelona four-one. Yeah. Yes, the same night Liverpool failed to score against. It's Carlisle, Iago Aspas scoring two against Barcelona. <laughs> What's more surprising, Iago Aspas getting a, a brace or Flamini getting a brace? I'm not quite sure. But um, scoring for Chelsea or Pereira scoring for Chelsea United. But yeah, that is that, that is a bit of a shock result, uh, Dave. I assume you didn't watch it because obviously you were watching the Man United. No, I would love to have watched it. Yeah, no, they they got battered apparently from what from all I heard. Neymar scored for Barca, but then yeah, Aspas scored twice. And some other two lads scored as well. Good Etta that used to play for Man City scored. Another shock result as well. Juve drew again. Blimey. So, there's a lot been going on in world football today. Oh, yeah. Big team. Some people saying it's the Allegri. It's what happens with Allegri, apparently. Mm. Real Madrid winning as well. Beating um, Bilbao now. Top of the league. Barcelona so, fifth. So the point. haters can... Rafa Benitez vindicated. The haters going to hate. Um, <laughs> the, 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 probably the last thing we should mention in terms of news this week is uh, Robert Lewandowski, of course. Oh yeah, which who sent Twitter into meltdown. Oh uh, god! On, on Tuesday evening, when he scored five goals in nine minutes, coming on as a sub at half time against uh, Wolfsburg. So let me just reel off some of the stats because there's a lot. So Lewandowski has scored more league goals in nine minutes than Liverpool, Newcastle, and West Brom have this season. <laughs> He's managed more than six of Bayern's Bundesliga rivals has managed. He's scored more than anyone in the bottom half of La Liga. Seven Serie A sides. More than Wayne Rooney has scored in the entirety of 2015. He scored more league league goals in nine minutes than Balotelli did last season at Liverpool. And he scored more league goals in nine minutes than Nicolas Bentner has in over three years. It was the quickest Bundesliga hat-trick of all time. Uh, he became the first Bundesliga substitute to score more than a hat-trick. And he's the third Bayern player to score five in a game. Uh, Gerd Miller did so three times. And Disa Hones did it once. Everyone's waxing lyrical, Dave, uh, about Lewandowski. So what did you make of that performance? It was, it, it was, it was something else, wasn't it? It, it, well, Wolfsburg absolutely battered Bayern in the first half. That was the interesting thing about it. Bayern were, were just were pretty rubbish. They were playing too much in front of Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg were breaking very, very well. Draxler got the assist for the, the first Wolfsburg goal. He's looking like a real player now he's moved there. But then Lewandowski came on and he just blew up the show. His, his goals weren't like, you know, they were, they were, two of his goals were absolutely fantastic. Mm. Was it three, three of them were bundled in, but five goals in nine minutes. The is best stat joke. was his fifth goal was his tenth touch. So in those yeah. nine minutes, he had ten touch, five of them just flew in the back of the net. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Lewandowski, obviously, I don't follow the Bundesliga that closely, but obviously he's got the perception as being one of the best strikers in Europe, Dave. is the, Do you think this is like, not a turning point for him, but just, he's never, since he moved to Bayern Munich, obviously Bayern Munich had a somewhat disappointing last season, uh, disappointing season, in their last campaign in terms of yep. the European Cup. But he's not quite been grabbing the headlines or exploding on the world stage in the way that, say, Suarez has or Neymar Barcelona, even, say, Carlos Tevez last season. Do you think that's a fair assessment? or? Um, well, I think that the thing with Lewandowski is a player that um, needs to be involved. He's a player that you've got to find the ball to his feet or find the ball to his body or find the ball to his head. Get him involved as early as he can. 
um, in a move and he'll make things happen. That's what he was at Brussels Dortmund. I think the thing when he moved to Bayern Munich is they are now a possession-based team, which doesn't really suit a lot of their players. Mario Goethe, it doesn't suit. I don't really think it suits Thomas Muller. I wouldn't say it suits Douglas Costa. Um, and for me, I think with Guardiola, potentially, when he does move on, we'll see the best of this Bayern side. They've bro- built together this br- beautiful team, but I think they suit playing on the break. But as for in terms of being the best um, striker in world football, Lewandowski is definitely up there. His goal-scoring record in the Bundesliga is an absolute joke. He's scored 69 goals in the last four seasons. That's 19 more than any other player. Uh, you know, you can, you can definitely compare him with the likes of Luis Suarez, Sergio Aguero. He's definitely up there, isn't it? You're, you think of that, that those five goals were absolutely fantastic. But then think again to those, was it four goals that he scored Real Madrid, against Real Madrid in the oh, Champions yeah, League a few seasons classic, ago? Yeah. Like, it, the calibre has always been there for Lewandowski. But I think he's just, start, like you said before, he's just starting to click into this, this Bayern team. Uh, yeah, as you said, he has scored 25 goals in uh, 36 league games uh, since moving to Bayern Munich, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, the other goal-scoring feat uh, recently, of course, was uh, Cristiano Ronaldo overtaking Raúl as Real Madrid's leading all-time goal scorer in La Liga. Um, I mention this not not because it, it happened not longer than a week ago, but because the stat now doing the rounds is that Ronaldo, guys, could play every league game for Real Madrid until November 2024 without scoring, and still have more goals in fewer games than Raul. Oh, Raul. Does that not just blow your mind? Uh, t- t- he, just, he just scores, doesn't he, Ronaldo? He just, yeah, you don't see no impressed. He just does goals, doesn't he? Yeah, he, <laughs> it's one of those things where Ronaldo does goals, Messi does goals, and there's nothing we can do about so it. He, yeah, he's now on the verge of becoming Real Madrid's uh, top goal scorer of all time in all competitions. He's two off uh, Raul's record of 323 goals. Maybe it's called tonight, so, you know, maybe it happened on the weekend. Anyway, let's move on to the questions. Right, let's whip through this week's questions. A lot to get through this no, week. No, we do value them. They are great questions, but I want to try yeah. and get... I value them so much, I want to get through as many as possible. Um, so... Dave, I'll come to you first. Dale Payne, okay. always asking Dude. the great questions. At Aussie Man U fan on Twitter says, will yes. Martial score 20 plus goals this season? I hope so. If not, will he outscore Harry Kane? <sighs> yes. yes. Ooh, that's tough. Right, so I'm going to go with, yes, he's going to score 20 goals in the Premier League this season. Over 20 goals. 20 or over. And I'm going to say, yes, he's going to outscore Harry Kane. Um, it's hard to... Sorry, dis- mate. I think maybe I'll disagree with the first one. I don't think he'll score more than 20 goals, but by the looks of it, it looks like he's going to outscore Harry Kane. So. Um, I agree with you half, 50%. <laughs> um, Charles Antionades, Dave, maybe another one for you, says, why did okay. no successful teams in the Premier League ever play with a back three? Hashtag, I am the whole. Go on, Dave, do your little Because it gets, it gets exposed too much. It's too easy to break down a back three. If you're tactically switched on, um, you know, pulling those two... Uh, two of the wide centre-backs out of position, it's too easy. I think that because of the way the nature of English football that we play wingers, the back three gets exposed by wingers and that is the issue that we're never going to see. Like, the reason why it works in Italy is because they usually play against... Um, the, the systems are quite narrow. You play against two strikers or you play against one striker with the, you know two attacking mids behind. There's not that many wingers and that's why it doesn't work in the Premier League. It's just, ne- it's just the wingers, I think, that really causes the issue. Hmm. Could, could it work, Dave, with three of the best centre-backs in the world so say yes. you had 
you know, Pep, Pep, Pep Guardiola could make it work, I think. But they have to be the oh, best. Pep. They have to be switched um, on for that entire time. I think how they'd have to work there is that you have to dominate possession. You, that's, you play possession as your main defensive tactic, in a way. I think it's, if you had three natural defenders, I don't know if it'd yeah. work. Yeah, there's a story that Kristen tells quite a lot. I think it's about AC Milan. I can't remember, but he basically says that they played against, um, obviously, their very peak guys. And I think it was during the Rude Hullet years. And they would literally play for, you know, almost an entire training session against a back three. I think this is right. And they just wouldn't score because they were such a solid back three. I think but it, it would was... literally be everyone against the back three, right? Yeah, it was something like, I think it might have been a back four. It was it was like Costa Curta, Nesta, Baresi, and who would have been the right back? Another right back. And yeah, like Lawrence was saying, they used to just defend and they wouldn't score for hours. But that's, that, that's the whole team against four men. Mental. So think about that. That's that's incredible. So that mm. it, I mean, it must be possible to do that against three. But it, it, it's also that I guess individuals are more exposed in a back three than they will be in a back yeah. two. Uh, Kingle on King uh, on Twitter, Leon King says, "What does Spurs need to push them into the top four? Um, apart from a miracle, them? apart from a miracle, uh, Lawrence, what do you reckon? Uh, to move Arsenal back south of the river to Woolwich um, and Dalley." No, uh, we need uh, we we just need uh, get that new stadium, get into that new stadium, start generating more revenue. Maybe um, change that mentality. Men- mentality. Yeah, just that. Uh, what's wrong with the mentality? What do you mean? What's wrong with the mentality? Ooh. You just lost, lost in the Capital One Cup. Uh, Why is that a question of mentality well, as opposed to? Well, I mean, you, every season we talk about the mentality for Arsenal. We talk about about the mentality of Spurs, and. You know, there, there are general things that surround each club and cultures which surround each club which mm-hmm. maybe don't set them up to I wouldn't say things. mentality is the problem. We beat Arsenal last season, so it's not like we, we have some mental block against Arsenal or something. No, there is no mental... Well, I mean, there is a mental block against Arsenal. Um, mm. And, you know, it is... It, there is... There is. Uh, and just one-off games does not mean anything. Uh, critical times probably means a little bit more and the fact is Spurs have not finished above Arsenal in all that time and they haven't been dominant um, there have been times where they've worried Arsenal but there have never really been a time where Arsenal will have truly been looking over their shoulder oh yeah but I wouldn't say there's going to be a long term sustained issue here games against Arsenal in recent years they've been pretty even in terms of who's won them but overall the problem of, Arsenal, of Tottenham being behind Arsenal is not a question of mentality I'd argue well, I guess that's the problem is that actually from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assessing from outside and being an outsider from London and Dave probably has the same thing. I find London teams mentality very different to Northern teams mentality. Um, yeah. And a lot of London teams have a tendency to go down a very depressing route in a different way to the way that Manchester United and Liverpool fans and, you know, Newcastle fans will get depressed. They're, it's just different. It is yeah, just different. It is, isn't it? Okay. Like we have more anger and, and hatred and fights. Yeah. There's a more cynical kind of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just different in London, Adam. It just is. Just different, mate. I would, it, just, I would... it just is. But it's something that you can't experience unless you're actually there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like You can't experience what's going on inside a stadium and the attitude of the fans and how that affects what goes on on the pitch unless you're actually there. Because, you know, TV cameras will only pick up so much. Um, and uh, yeah. that's all framed by a director and mm-hmm. microphones will only pick up so much because okay. that's all done in the, the sound edit yet more uh, facts on TV broadcasting on the front three <laughs> go on Lawrence I'd say that it's but, true HD but yeah the mentality for Spurs is not the main problem is what's holding them back from the top four though the mentality of the players managers or fans I wouldn't say that's the, the problem I'd say the problem is 
we, well, in many cases, simply not as um, financially secure or as strong as, say, Manchester United or Chelsea or City or Arsenal. Yeah, but, but, but no one's asking you to be as financially No, but I'm saying, they're saying, what do we need to do to push into the top four? Well, it's, it will be difficult to us until we build that new stadium. We'll get on a, on a similar footing with those teams uh, and hopefully we'll be able to maybe attract a better sort of player who can help us move into the top four, which then helps you tr get more uh, world-class players, etc., etc. But well, there's no way we can beat with but, Arsenal but, at the moment, is there? The, the point would be with Pochettino is that he was acquired for very specific reasons. And one of those oh, very yeah, specific I love, I love reasons... But, well, but the very specific reasons was were that he did a great job at Southampton uh, with very limited resources young financially. Players. Young players. And that those are all things that Spurs are looking to emulate. Because hmm, we um, are going to be a bit but you say for that again, for the next few years. But, but again, you would say, well, I mean, strapped for cash because you just spent 100 million of what come out of the bail transfer. Oh, yeah. See, that's more of a problem than any sort of mentality spending 17 million on Paolini and 26 on Soldado. That wasn't but that... But that comes down to then crossing over mentalities and welcoming new players to the club and bringing those people into the culture and those sorts of things. No, I just don't think they were very good signings. Not as much as you want, but I mean, it, there, there, the fact is that there will be a lot of people who will level Spurs mentality within and from outside of the club as, uh, as somewhat of a limiting factor for where Spurs finish every season. I think that's bollocks, personally. But uh, we'll move on to the next question. Well, that is fair enough. I'm not, not going to finish fourth this season. And, you know, it, it, the longer yeah, that no, people don't listen to criticism of their club, I think, and the longer... The, no, but Spurs, Spurs aren't going to finish fourth, but I don't think you can say, oh, yes, man, the mentality, mentality is the problem for Spurs. That's, I don't think that's got anything to do with the, the problem of why they're not going to finish fourth. But I do think it is mixed in with the other problems. Mentality is part of that. And the but time why? when Spurs, even the times when Spurs were dominant, they still had issues with the, the way that they approached certain matches. Mm, I don't buy that myself, but... <laughs> because it, it's it's what sort that's what's, just like your opinion, uh, man. But yeah, well, it's everything. But ask, ask a lot of what what their opinion is of Spurs as a club, and and ask a lot of other London fans what their opinion is of Spurs as a club. And they're going to say we'll Spurs' main problem is their mentality. I think uh, no, they, I've, I never said that their main problem was their mentality. What I said was that part of that problem was the mentality and the mentality that surrounds the club. But of the fans, he's talking about. No, of of what whether whether it comes down from the top with Levy, whether it comes down um, and therefore in a more general culture which surrounds the club, the, the perception not uh, is also within there of of the club, and within London we all know that it's it becomes somewhat of a bubble, and there's there is you've, you've lost me now, you've lost me. <laughs> I, 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 I I don't see what it's got to do with Spurs. How? How I don't see how that holds them back from getting into the top four. Because there, there is. Such what you're saying, a, Lawrence, is they don't believe in themselves. What I'm saying is, is there's, that essentially there's such a perception of mediocrity of, of Spurs almost constantly mm. from every other club that no one ever really truly feels threatened by Spurs. Ask another fan, do you feel threatened by Spurs? They will say no. But I don't see what that I don't see what that perception has got to do with Spurs. Attempts to finish higher than say Arsenal or Liverpool. Perception is reality, and the point would be <laughs> with these guys. The point would be with these guys that if, if you have, if you have Spurs coming to your stadium and you're thinking, you know what, these guys they they are beatable, then 
you've got it's not the same as say having Manchester United turn up or having say Arsenal turn up, and that happened before Arsenal invested in Ozil or in uh, Sanchez. Hmm. That I mean, St. Tutteringham's Day is notorious all over hmm. London. I would say that before that, it was very rare, uh, apart from now the, the proliferation of social media making it more common that more people all over the world will hear of those sorts of things. Before that, you'd say it was very rare that many people are going to have heard of that, apart from the people within London. But I have and no, how I long have no that, idea what that's got to do with... How long is that? I have no idea what that's got to do with Spurs getting into it. Man City were massively inferior to Manchester United for years. How many years is that? It wasn't their sudden change in mentality, which has put them on an equal footing or arguably made them a more successful or better set up for success than Manchester United, is it? Their mentality all of a sudden changed. But how many years is that, though? How many many years years were Manchester City second fiddle to Man United? Oh, 34 years. 34 years. Do you know what I mean? So, so significantly different, though. Such a significant... I mean, we're talking about... We're talking about Manchester City sitting divisions down from Manchester United here. Yeah, we're, so we're e- even bigger. Huge amounts of investment of in, and difference in, of, in amounts of investment. Whereas Spurs sat level with other guys in terms of investment for years, and there was still a perception. Well, think about Chelsea before before what happened with their investment. Think about Arsenal before what happened with their investment. Think about even the likes of West Ham. Think think of the likes of other clubs within London who see Spurs as easy fodder for their matches. I just don't agree, but that's me. But but you but that would be the point. Is who 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 feels threat? Dave, when I well, I guess Manchester United oh. are a bad one because Spurs are somewhat of a bogey team for them just yeah. because once the ball went I'm over scared of Spurs. Off, from halfway line. But are you truly scared of Spurs because of a hoodoo that they have over your club, or are you scared of Spurs because of the personnel that they have? Personnel. Is that really true, though, every season, Dave? Well, that changes, doesn't it? Season on season. Gareth Bale only stays around for one, one or two, three, four, five seasons, doesn't he? Then he moves well, on. He, well, he only peaks for a couple of seasons. But the point would be, there's very few people who feel, I'd say, significantly threatened by what Spurs offer mm. season on season. And St. Totteringham's Day is definitely a part of that. How many seasons did that happen back-to-back, Adam? Many, 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 many seasons. And, 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 and has that as been good as consistently outspent Spurs? Um, well, we'd have to so look at the stats here. But, I think. But, but, but so significantly that it could have a real, a, like a, a tangible effect. But surely the problem, what I'm saying is Spurs, like you're saying, Spurs have spent loads of money and wasted it on hundreds of mediocre players. Poor investment, poor... The, the the club's arguably running a poor way in terms of so have, sacking so thirteen Arsenal. managers. We've been through thirteen uh, managers while Arsenal Wenger has sort of you know had that consistency at Arsenal. So that's down to your mentality. But that's, why is that the mentality? There? But you're talking about the mentality in terms of we can't beat big clubs and we I'm have an inferiority that, complex in but, terms but I'm, of. I'm, not, I'm talking about that as in terms of an ingrained culture within a club that comes no, through the times just, of the, the same as being generated at Liverpool. The same is being generated at other clubs, where there comes this this culture of mediocrity. But Man- you could argue Manchester City have a had a culture of mediocrity and a, a massive inferiority complex. Oh, How did they get over that? With with a, oh. a, with a huge shot in the arm. But that would be the point that that was such a meteoric rise, Adam. That there is a massive difference there. 
there's a massive difference between so investing took, in Robinho and one. All, all it took Man City to to get into the top four and challenge for the league was shitloads of money. No, but also the belief in their in the fact that the owners were going to invest money. The belief in money. But the point would be, <laughs> people believe that those investors will invest until they are where they want to be. Hmm. There is not the same belief around Daniel Levy. The, the, there is a different belief around Daniel Levy and there's perception inside and outside of the club that Daniel Levy yeah, okay, but no, has, no. has is fallible. So now there's and a that, little bit more of a distinction because it sounded like you were basically saying Spurs have got a massive inferiority complex. <laughs> you have to admit that there that's is... Why that, they ha- that, that's why they haven't reached the top four and that's their problem. What I'm saying, say, I'm saying is a lot of Spurs' problems. problems are exacerbated by the mentality which surrounds a lot of their problems. Um, okay. <laughs> just, a bit, just look at it. Go to any, go to the Spurs fan channel. Go to any of those other places, and you'll see a difference in the way that the fans speak. Yeah, but I just because I, I don't think we're at the same level as Arsenal, and I think there's a there's a realism that when we're, we're not as good as Arsenal, we're not as good as Man City. We're on a similar similar playing field at the moment with Liverpool and maybe even Everton or something in terms of our ambitions and what we're aiming for. We're always going to be linked with Arsenal because of the rivalry, but, but we always come off looking doing, worse. What you're doing because... in your perception is normalising that, and you're normalising the hierarchy and hegemony. Yeah, Arsenal are a much owns. better club than us. They've got much better infrastructure. They've got much better resources. So they're going to be better than us for the foreseeable future. There's not much we can do about it until, for example, the new stadium comes in, which opens up certain doors for us. I would say that that is not always the outlook and perception that I have heard expressed by Spurs fans. The Spurs fans saying we're better than Arsenal or something, that's mental. But there there have been seasons where Spurs fans have said, we are better than Arsenal. And those have been very recent seasons where people have said those kind of things. Okay, And then they've been, they've again found, and the problem being that the seasons where they've said that we are better than Arsenal in that season, they've still fallen short of Arsenal. Yeah, we're not not better than Arsenal. We haven't been Arsenal for, we haven't been better than Arsenal Maybe I'm not expressing myself particularly well on this, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying, which is rare, what I'm saying for this is <laughs> that you is there. There are intangible factors and a number and a web of factors at Spurs mm. which sit in the way of Spurs, and the normalisation of that mediocre result and the mediocre acceptance of mediocre results mm. will play into a degeneration of something and not necessarily a promotion of positivity this tangent means we're going to have to try and whip through these quite quickly go through them because it's getting it's getting on lads it's getting on I, t- I tell you what Liverpool could have could have done with Yago Aspas today two of his both of his finishes were brilliant fantastic first... that, that chip day <laughs> what a bloody first player one. He loops it over the key. He loops it over the keeper, and it is a it's an accomplished finish. Why is it that when people leave the Premier League, they're all of a sudden performing like Soldado and Balotelli and Aspas? This well, because they're playing in a less physical league with with teams who allow, technically will suit themselves to that striker. Anyway, yeah, Mario Balotelli as well. Don't forget that free kick, eh? Oh, what a free kick! Um, would you rather have Modric at Arsenal or Ozil at Real at this moment? I don't really understand that question. Would you rather have Modric at Arsenal or Ozil at Real at this moment? We've got another question that's exactly the same. That says, yeah, would you rather take Ozil or Modric in your team's squad? Should we go with that question? Oh, yeah. Modric. Uh, right, uh, shadow over that. Now or... Now. 
Yeah, probably Madrid. Yeah, come on. Although he left Spurs because of that mediocre mentality, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the main reason. Um, duh, 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 duh. Is Mike Dean the worst Premier League ref, says Kieran oh, Paris. Get out more. Uh, that, that bloody, that <laughs> rant from Garth, from Garth Crooks. He's not to a bloody level, didn't it? He, he did bloody lost it on TV. And it was just he like, oh, see, Garth, see Team of the week this week. He had three, three defenders, Kurt Zuma sitting at defensive midfield, and then, then six wingers or something like that on the pitch of some trial. Terrible. Joe Hamlin says, will uh, Louis van Howe, will the young squad be his legacy? Dave doesn't look like he's going to win anything, so probably. I don't, I don't, it's not, is it his legacy? Is it just the legacy of Manchester United rebuilding after Ferguson? Good answer. Bang. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you'd argue that if those players came out under David Moyes, then people would say oh, different yeah. stuff, wouldn't they? Plebian. 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 Spelt it wrong, yeah. But uh, would Pleb- Arsenal win the league with Lewandowski? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bam, yes. Okay. Be, what a fantastic combination that would be. Uh, what's the most important position on the pitch, says Jeremy AFC? Centre back. Akazola assist, great shot. Maybe centre back. The platform on I'm which go all success is built, the foundation. Dave, Dave's going to be the central the midfield. Yeah, I mean, influential. Yeah, and Chabby. Oh, yeah, the, the answer yeah. to every question is Chabby Alonso. So, yeah, yeah centre midfield. Yeah. Um. Who would win in a game of attack versus defence? Messi, Suarez, Neymar, or Maldini, Cannavaro, Nesta? Says uh, 451 Tom. I reckon the attack, the pace. Nah, the attack, the pace would rip apart. Well, well, no, it would. It would be an infinite loop. Nobody nobody would win. It would be like Vine football. (laughs) It's never ending. Never ending. There, I believe, Dave. Yeah, correct, Lawrence. Next question is just wondering if any of you <laughs> love it. He's changed his name to the hole on Twitter at the Sten sixty nine. Nice, uh, nice. Oh baby, name there. Uh, with the Rugby World Cup underway, I was just wondering if any of you watch or play rugby because I love it. Smiley face. Um, mm. I used to play for university, but then I got an injury. Oof. Okay, I tore my ACL played for university so I've not played it since it's like an X Factor sub story what's going on mm, um, sorry yeah. so yeah. did anyone watching anything in the Rugby World Cup uh, yeah England or Japan I didn't yeah, actually Japan watch any England or Japan that was, that was good fun yeah but then they got they got they got uh, pummeled by Scotland again so yeah know, but Japan, I mean you can't take off. that victory away from them though, no. um, <laughs> you're right there Adam uh, you can't take the video if Klopp gets uh, if Rogers gets sacked who would be a better replacement Klopp or Ancelotti asks Richard B Klopp we've already made this we've already spoken about this Klopp Uh, managers who could replace Louis van Gaal at the end of the season said Stewie Griffin on Twitter Giggsy is it too soon too soon for Giggsy uh, yes yeah it's too soon I I think it'd be he needs a bit more time experience he needs to manage a smaller club I think he needs some management experience not assistant management experience that he's got so far so it'd be too early but Klopp, you've got Ancelotti, you know, both those two. You've got Guardiola, you, you know, you've got Favre, uh, Lucien Favre from Borussia Mönchengladbach, who's just left them. You know, there's a, there's a lot of options. Yeah, Dave, uh, uh, Favre would be a mood swing in a bottle for Manchester United, but it would be, uh, yeah, good. Who's the best striker in world football, says Addy S. And he's put Diego Costa, question mark, question mark, question mark, smiley face, hashtag I am the whole. I think we all agreed earlier it was Luis Suarez, did we not? 
Lewandowski. Uh, best striker? Oh, you've gone for Lewandowski. Fair play. What, what, based, on, based on current form, Lewandowski. Oh, yeah, Lewandowski. Um, based on the form of this week. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, how how underrated is Ander Herrera? Says Tom Clist. I'd say not very. I think he's yeah. I don't know. Well, obviously Louis Van Al seems to rate him one week and rate and not rate him another week. But I think he's reasonably rated at the moment. Uh, the final question, and I think it's the one that will in- require the most insight and the most thoughtfulness. Who's the best at FIFA out of you three? The I don't answer. know. Do you want to try FIFA 16, guys? Should we just go out and buy a console, the three uh, of us? Uh, I've already play got a it. FIFA 16. Yeah. Have you got it? Man, I've got, I went to the FIFA launch the other night. Did you, did you not come? I didn't get the invite, mate. Was it in the post? Uh, it was, you, you, okay, you didn't miss um, out on much. That's all I'll say. Sorry, mate. I got the, I got the invite. Oh, uh, Lawrence. You I, I was staying in a five-star resort in Turkey. Sorry, guys. Oh, you win. <laughs> all right, you win. You yeah, would. so I had a butler. Literally, if you want to know a story, I had a butler for the weekend. <laughs> it was amazing. So did you make him bring so you on a bit ridiculous? Nothing ridiculous, but he did bring me a lot of cocktails. Oh, um, brilliant. Bloody hell, you yeah. were living the dream, weren't you? Genuinely was living the dream. I Yeah. Genuinely. It was amazing. Uh, on that bombshell, I think we should wrap up episode 24, guys. I think yeah, that was, Get a butler, I think, would be the advice from this. In many ways, that is the, the one thing you should take away from this episode. Uh, Lawrence, where can people find you and potentially pictures of butlers serving you? Instagram? Don't, Twitter? There, are, there, there won't be any photos of butlers serving me for I have Come photos on. online for some time. Um, I would say go to Loscast. L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. Where can people find you, Dave? Well, we're not finding Dave this week. We're oh. going to the Football Blogging Awards website. Oh, I think we're going to do some voting. Oh. Firstly, I think we've got to vote for the front three as the best podcast because it is pretty. We probably should have done this at good. the top of the show, should we? Yeah, yeah. We should have done, but we're doing it at the end. Turned off by now, Dave. I am oh. also throwing myself forward for the best new blog. So if you want to put me in there as well, that would be fantastic. Cheers. So you're, you want people to nominate the front three for best new podcast. Yes. And you want people to vote for David O'Brien TV for the best Correct. video blog thing. Yes, the best new blog. Right. That should be Squawker Dave, at Squawker Dave or whatever you want to throw in there. Go and do that, everyone. If you're still listening, you are definitely the hardcore people, the hardcore holes, the legends, if you worthwhile would, ones, who are going to go and actually holes. vote for us. So we appreciate that massively. And if we win, we will give you all something from us. We'll do five podcasts in a week. Yeah, one every day. <laughs> Bloody hell. That'll be cracking, wouldn't it? <laughs> I feel like, yeah. I feel like we'll immediately regret that. But, my suggestion uh, before I dropped my phone in the sea was that we should all go on holiday together and do a podcast today. Oh, and Adam did, said that sounds did, great. Like, did you oh. drop it just after you? you uh, yeah, it? I went, we should all go on holiday together. And then I just threw my iPhone <laughs> six the, uh, into the middle of the... Carefree. And then you're like, oh shit, what have I done? I was like, and then I, I shouted, Ilmaz. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, swim out and get that <laughs> He dived into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and he came back. That's a guy. lovely guy. Great guy. <laughs> Legend on that bombshell guys that wraps up episode 24 thanks for listening hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Boltwood. At Adam Boltwood. Yeah. And Legend. We'll see following. you next week. Bye. 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 See ya. Bye.